Good morning. Today's scripture reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. It's uh, page number 914 in your uh, pew Bibles. It's uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glorify in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we, now, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May the Lord bless his word. genetic dynasty has reigned for almost four centuries. I will be the river from which all rivers flow. Clones of Cleon I, decanted at different ages. Dawn, day, dusk. The genetic dynasty. Empire. Demonstra. The delegations from Thespis and Anacreon are arriving. Welcome to Trenton, the eye of the Empire. Please respect and enjoy the peace. 
Are you familiar with my work, Psychohistory? It's the destiny of the human race expressed in numbers. Trantor is going to be destroyed. The Empire will fall. I hear he's rather critical of the Imperium. Order will vanish. Interstellar wars will be endless. Nothing we do can prevent this. Words have a way of fanning into wildfires. Trantor and the Galactic Empire will lie in ruins within five centuries. Don't keep us in the dark. End Imperial cloning. Imperial cloning stopped the wars. Brought peace. The greatest failure, the greatest sin against the mother is stagnation. I will be the river from which all rivers flow. Respect and enjoy the peace. Threaten the peace and pay a dear price. Kill them. that because of the Roman peace that Caesar is able to bring, you have wealth and you have money. Paul wrote this book, Romans, while he was in Corinth, a church or a city of Corinth in around 57 AD, right within the time frame of this Pax Romana. By then, Nero, who was known officially as Nero, Claudius, Caesar, Augustus, Germanicus, he was the emperor of Rome. As some of you know, we have been hosting this Ukrainian tea at our church. Uh, it's, it's for our Ukrainians who have fled the war and have come to Toronto. 
And one thing I found uh, a helpful way to start a conversation with them is to just ask the question, how long have you been, been in Canada? And, you know, and they would tell me they've been here a couple weeks, a month. It's a great way to just hear about their story, and it's, it's a way for me to connect with them because then I say something like, oh, you know, I've been in Toronto for like 30 years. I came in 1987. It's a way to say, hey, both of us are actually not from here, but we've come to Toronto to make it our home. I was having one conversation with this one man, and, and he's telling me he has some family in Europe, and so that was how he kind of left Ukraine, went to Europe, and then he came to Toronto. So I said, why'd you come to Toronto? You already have family in Europe. And what he said to me was very interesting. He said to me, because Canada is an immigrant country. When he goes to Europe, any country in Europe, he has to become like them. He, he feels like a foreigner, that he's not part of that country. Whereas coming to Canada, he knows the rest of us here, obviously we know that the indigenous, indigenous people were here all along and you know, we've taken their land and so there's whole story behind that. But the rest of us here that are here in this room have come to Canada, whether it's you, you who've been here for a couple of months to a year, or to your great-great-parents, grandparents, or who've come from their home country to come to Canada to make their home here. Paul, writing within this context of Rome and the veneration of Caesar Augustus as this founding father of Rome, or as he would call himself, the first citizen, points to the Church of Rome to another founding father named Abraham. In chapter 4, just before this chapter that was read, Paul lays out how Abraham is not only the father of the Jewish people, but also the father of the Gentiles and all who believe in Jesus. In Genesis, we see that God calls Abraham out of his homeland into a new country where God promises Abraham that he would make him into a great nation. So Abraham leaves his father's home and ventures out with his family to this new land uh, called Canaan, trusting in God's promises that Abraham would become this great nation. But we know the story, right? There's a problem. Abraham and, and uh, Sarah are barren. They can't have children. And God comes later on and says to him again, look, Abraham, you've left your home. You're in this new country this foreign land, but we're going to make you into a, a great nation. And Abraham says to God, God, but I don't have a child. How am I going to become a great nation without any children? And by then, Abraham, we know, were, was a little older, you know, maybe in his 80s, past, uh, and Sarah as well. They were past their, the bearing age, as you would say. I was going to say past their prime, but that's so bad. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I said it anyway, so it's, but they were past their child-bearing age. And, and so Abraham asks a legitimate question. How are we going to be this great nation when I am childless? And so um, God says to Abraham, no, I will, you will have a child, and it's through your seed that you will become a great nation. And it says in Genesis that Abraham believed in God. And listen to what it was said about Abraham for his faith. Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. 
This is the same passage that Paul quotes in Romans 4 to illustrate the point that because Abraham believed in God, it was credited to him as righteousness. And because this was done before circumcision, that the righteousness that we receive through the faith of and in Jesus isn't only for those who are circumcised, that is the Jews, but rather is for all people who have faith in Jesus. Abraham is the founding father of this new family and home in Jesus Christ because of his faith in God before he was circumcised, before the law came, before they became Jewish. Therefore, the law isn't the reason for being made righteous or just, but rather is having faith in Jesus and through the faith of Jesus that we are part of this family of God. God's desire to create this new nation in Abraham was never meant to be an exclusive Jewish nation. Rather, it was meant to be the way in which all nations will be part of God's family and thus be home in God. After all, aren't borders, cultures, lands, and homes, aren't these things just created so that we could make home? Romans 5, 1 to 2 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Therefore, that is because of what we have seen in Abraham, our founding father of faith, since we have been justified through faith of and in Jesus Christ, because of this faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice that, did you, do you notice what Paul is doing here? Because of the faith of Jesus and because of our faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. So instead of the Pax Romana, that is Roman peace through the Son of God and Caesar Augustus, we have Pax Christi, that is the peace, we have peace, we have the peace of Christ through the Son of God in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I want to show you uh, three different pictures here, and let me, let me know what you see in common. So here's three pictures, and in each picture, and that first picture is from that, uh, that mo uh, not movie, the, the show called Foundations, but he also, I couldn't find a good picture of a statue of him, but this is, uh, his name is Day, because there's, uh, oh man, never mind, it doesn't matter. So this pers first person who is called Day in the TV show uses this pose and has a statue of himself with this pose for the propaganda of the phrase, respect and enjoy the peace. And in the show, he uses the same pose, but with the flick of that wrist, he uses that as a way to kill someone. So even though it's a way to say respect and enjoy the peace, you may have seen it in the clip, there is a scene where there are people who are these peace breakers who are being judged, and he does this like little flick of the wrist, and they're executed. And it's a way of saying, yes, res respect and enjoy the peace, yet if you break the peace, that peace will be a way of also um, death. The second statue is that of Caesar Augustus, again, similar uh, similarly, he's holding up his hand, and it's a way to uh, show this, uh, it, it stands for like this power and authority, uh, what a general would have uh, in war, 
It's a way to say Caesar is the one who brings this piece, this piece called Pax Romana. And then we see the last picture here of Jesus with his right hand raised, with his fingers representing his name, Jesus Christ, as the one who brings peace to the world, but not through might and power, but rather through his death and resurrection. It is a hand of blessing, a hand that was crucified, a hand of peace and shalom. This time of Pax Romana wasn't actually a time of peace. It was sold as a time of peace, as a way to propagate this, their way of life. Tacitus, a, a historian, quotes a British chieftain that the Romans uh, conquered. And this chieftain said this about Rome. He says, Romans create a desert and then call it peace. Because they come and rape and pillage. And then they say, look, look at the peace that we have in this um, empire called Rome. They use their might and power to obliterate their enemies and then call it peace. And one of the ways in which they made sure uh, peace was kept was through crucifixion. Crucifixion wasn't just a capital punishment for common crimes or, or even for murderers. Crucifixion was only reserved for those who, considered, who were considered as menace to peace. Therefore, crucifixion was used as a deterrent and a visual reminder to the Roman world that this is what will happen to you if you threaten the Pax Romana. Interestingly, if you were a, a Roman citizen, you couldn't be crucified. Again, another reason to venerate and to become a Roman citizen. Right? So if you become like us, if you become a citizen of Rome, you would never be crucified. So the Roman Empire kept their peace through violence and might and ultimately, ultimately through the cross. Whereas Jesus brings peace with God through self-denial and dying on the cross for our sins. Instead of crucifying his enemies as the Lord Caesar did, God comes in the person of Jesus and dies for his enemies that, so that we can have peace with God. God confronts the pseudo-Lord of Rome and his ways of subjugation and, and peace through the cross by taking the very instrument of violence and oppression as a way to free and bring about real peace. And Paul makes this connection by speaking about how God treats his enemies. Verse 10. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Unlike the Roman son of God who would crucify his enemies, God showed us his love in that while we were still God's enemies, Jesus died for us on the cross to give us peace. Paul argues that if the peace of God comes through the very death of the son of God, how much more than will we be reconciled or have peace with God through God, through the life of Jesus? If the death of Jesus brings about forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace, how much more will, we, will the resurrected life of Jesus lead us to glory? When I was studying and reading into what Paul was saying here, I wondered if this was the very reason for why Paul was killed for his faith in Rome. He was arrested in Rome and was eventually killed during the time of Nero. 
I wondered if Paul's message that talked about this different son of God who will give people real peace instead of this peace of Rome, I wondered if that was the reason why he was killed. As I mentioned before, Paul was writing this letter under the rule of Nero, who was Caesar, and Nero was known as this cruel ruler who persecuted Christians and blamed the Christians for starting this great fire in Rome. The historians say Nero started that fire because he wanted to build his own temple, but he blamed it on the Christians, and so the Christians uh, were killed for it. So imagine yourself, you're part of this Roman church in the heart of the empire where the emperor was willing to, very willing to kill you for, for your faith. Imagine receiving this letter from Paul and reading it out loud. Were there spies in the church who would hear of this religious rhetoric? Were there people who hid or stayed away from the church because of what Paul wrote? Paul wants to encourage the Roman church to have hope because of their faith of and faith in Jesus, they have access to the grace of God and have peace with God. This peace is more important than the peace of Rome and is the very peace of Christ that leads to hope. The Roman Christians can resist and be the family of God and may make a new home of peace that is not based on worshiping the emperor and the Roman way, but rather by worshiping and following the one true God who brings peace in a very much different way than Caesar did. I don't know if you noticed, but our sermon series is called When in Rome, Making Home in the Empire. When you hear the phrase, when in Rome, what do you, what do you, what do you think of? When in Rome, do what the Romans do, right? We don't want you to do what the Romans do. It's a play on word. It's the play on phrase. We're saying when in Rome, making home in the empire, because we believe that we're not to make, we're not to do what the Romans do, but rather, since we are in Rome, as we are called to make home in the empire, how do we make home rightly? How do we make sure we're not being seduced and blinded by the rhetoric and the messaging of the empire that we forget that the peace that the empire brings? isn't real peace, but just an illusion that keeps us docile, that keeps us just slumbering and living life, just going with the flow. Paul is not saying when in Rome, do what the Romans do. Paul is using that language and the image of the empire to subvert and to help his readers understand who their true God and home is in. It is in Jesus Christ, the bringer of peace. The question that we need to ask ourselves is whether or not in this world of peace that we are living in, is it really peace or are we just creating deserts for others in order for us to keep the peace of our empire? That is, do we keep the way of our life? Cheap uh, groceries, cheap bananas. Feel like we're at peace. Someone's agreeing with me, <laughs> right? right? Do we do that and in, in, in live in this peace while creating deserts for the rest of this world? How do we not live as the Romans do in Toronto and seek to be people who live out the peace of Christ? I was talking to someone in our, in our congregation. They were sharing this story with me that they are running a business, 
and they run this business not as a way to make money. And so those people around them, they question, why are you running the business that way? I know this family, and they're trying to run this business as an expression of who they are and their faith in God. And so their, job, their number one priority in this, in this small business isn't to make money, but to seek wellness, to seek peace for those that are around them. So they get criticized by their fellow friends because they see how they run their business and they say, well, if you want to make, that's not how you run a business. That's not, that's not how you make money. And so even when people are trying to live their lives for others and for the well-being of those who are around them, our own society, right, when we see people living in a different way, there's this pressure to live and follow the empire, to keep the way of the Roman life or the Toronto life. And because of this, we need to be reminded of our true home in Christ. As we have peace with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through the faith of Jesus and our faith in Jesus, we can have hope. And we need hope in our world, don't we? We need hope because the reality is that not all things are right. With interest rates going up, the war in Ukraine, the wildfires in Canada, cancer diagnoses, mental health issues, and other tragedies in our world, it is in the midst of such sufferings that overwhelm us or just makes us numb. We need to find our center, our home, and a hope in this God of love. Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul gives the Romans church the motivation behind Jesus' actions. Unlike the Lord Caesar, who demands to be worshipped and followed, and if you don't, he will crucify you. And unlike us, who ourselves wouldn't die for someone even who is righteous, or maybe we would die for someone who is good. Unlike us, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still people who break and cause disunity, who, who are not peacemakers but peace wreckers, while we live our lives as, as broken people in this space where any other Lord would crucify their subjects, Jesus himself is crucified and dies for us. This is what gives us hope. This is what causes us to bend the knee because our God who loves us lays down his life for us. He doesn't oppress us, nor does he need to force us through might and power, but rather in our powerlessness, Christ died for us and calls us not his enemies, but his beloved, his sons and daughters. We are part of his new family where we can make this home. I mentioned in my last sermon that you become what you worship. When we worship a son of God that is willing to die for us, a God who brings peace through self-sacrifice and love, we become like the person we worship. So let us continue to worship this God named Jesus who has made it possible for us to be forgiven for our sins, 
to be free from judgment and shame, a God who says he loves us even when we turn away. May the Pax Christi of Jesus reign in our hearts and our lives and in our homes, and may we be the family of God as we make home in the city of Toronto. Let us pray. Jesus, we pray that you will break through, break through into our hearts and in our lives when we are either so preoccupied occupied with how we're going to pay our bills to, to our jobs, to our families, to people dying around us, to, to floods in Nova Scotia. to the pressure of keeping the peace or or the way of life in Toronto. Break in and break through, Jesus, and show us that there is another way, that the peace you bring is beyond just material wealth and um, that your peace not only comes in the good times but also in the bad that Jesus, that you have even transformed the cross, that death is not to be something to be afraid of, but yet it is through death we have resurrected life. So Jesus, we pray that your peace would reign in our hearts. And whatever it is that may be keeping us from accepting your love and to feel at peace in who we are and how you've made us. Give us faith. Give us faith like Abraham. Give us hope because Jesus had faith. And even when we lack faith and even when Abraham wasn't faithful, God, you were faithful. So help us to cling to that hope of your faithfulness and the faith of Jesus, and help us to embrace the peace that you offer us. In Jesus' name, amen.